0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood and this is my show. I'm fresh off the plane from Las Vegas, actually. I went there with my girlfriend, one of her friends. Uh, my pops was there for a night because we were working on a Friday morning, and then I stayed an extra day with my girlfriend. And I had a blast, but I'm really excited. I thought this would be a fun opportunity to talk about what's going on at the casinos, how that might reflect on what's going on in our economy and what the outlook is specifically for win. I'm going to take a little bit of a dive into the win. Uh, stock. That's dollar sign W-Y-N-N. They own the Wynn casinos. uh, and then So Wynn and then also they have another tower called Encore in Las Vegas. They have a casino in Macau and then finally a casino in Boston that they just recently opened. So it'll be fun. We'll dive in talking about the stock a little bit. We'll talk about my experience there as a customer and what that outlook might be for uh, Wynn specifically and then how you might broaden that to Las Vegas and making trades about the Wynn or MGM. And also kind of a commentary on what this means for our economy, right? That's kind of a bellwether of our economy, how people are feeling, how confident they are both about the virus, but also about just going out and having fun, having a great vacation, maybe party. Cause Las Vegas is a huge party city. It's one of my favorite cities. I spend a lot of time there and the good times I'm there every six weeks or so. Uh, We have some clinics there. So I go and check on those. Uh, We have a really great guy who runs uh, all of Las Vegas, but he runs a bunch of markets for us. He's kind of spread out. He's a, a traveling like regional director. So he oversees like uh, New York and, and Chicago and Colorado and even more. So anyway, so we get to check on check up on the Las Vegas operations, but also review a lot of our business when we're there. So we're there every six weeks or so. And we have a lot of fun. You know, I definitely have done the party side of Vegas, especially when I was younger. But people kind of sleep on Las Vegas is a great place to go and relax. I mean, the food is unbelievable. The amenities are second to none. You could have some so a little bit of entertainment, maybe like a show. I mean, the Cirque du Soleil shows are just crazy cool. Uh, and it's one of my favorite cities. Like I said, I go there about every six weeks on average, I'd say, uh, when coronavirus wasn't happening. This is my first time back since coronavirus struck. I went right before uh, coronavirus hit when things weren't in lockdown at all. It was literally the last weekend before wind shut down and had just kind of a normal weekend. It was uh, my now girlfriend's birthday, it was right when we first met, so that was a really great way to kick off our relationship. But uh, we went out there for a birthday, brought some of her friends and we just had fun. You know, it was before the club shut down, so we went and did that, we did dinners, we did a Cirque du Soleil show, the whole nine yards. And it was a blast, so it was a stark contrast for me to go and have that experience when things were normal, kind of the last gasp of a normal world before the realities of coronavirus settled in versus what we experienced this time and on this trip with all the restrictions and everything being different, obviously a lot of it shut down. So like the nightclubs aren't, well, I guess they're kind of like partially open, we didn't go or anything, but they're like partially open, kind of turned into lounges. You know the restaurants are definitely different so without further ado let's dive into what the experience was like and what i think of the stock in the future there and kind of what it means for the economy writ large so like i said great to return to one of my favorite cities i really missed it you know las vegas is a place where i go to unwind it's a place where you just see beautiful things especially when you're in some of my favorite hotels my absolute favorite there is the win like i mentioned earlier on the podcast that's what we're going to be focusing in on today I just think it's gorgeous, man. The interior design is second to none. It blew me away. I went when it very first opened. I was just a kid. You know, I was probably in high school or something like that. And my, my pops brought us out there and showed us the win. And it changed my perspective on what, you know, how, how big business can be. The ambition of building such a place. I mean, everywhere you look, it's top notch. Custom drapes, you know, mirrors everywhere. Um, you know, every amenity is perfect. The food's second to none. Uh, just a gorgeous place. They literally have, if you haven't been, you should Google pictures of their lobby they have balls of flowers, live roses of all different colors, and they're ranged into balls. that are then hung from the ceiling and literally like a, a merry-go-round with the horses on it are all just coated in roses. It is the most nuts place you'll ever see and just gorgeous in person. It puts you in a different mood. Just like most of Las Vegas, you get there, you want to have an extra cocktail or two. You want to cut loose a little bit, let your hair down. I used to let my hair down before I started going bald. But <laughs> don't get to let my hair down anymore. But anyways, yeah. So, you know, it's a great place to cut loose. It's just gorgeous and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I've had just so many great times there with great people and so many great experiences. I really miss that city. And like I said, the people there are just great. You know, this, the employees are, so, are having fun with you. They're helping you out at the tables if you're gambling. They're making sure you have that extra cocktail to have some extra fun there. You know, they make sure that Vegas is an experience. They really build into that whole culture on good days, right? So you love your interactions with the employees i mean you go to the spa or something like that it's second to none at win everything like i said from the build out itself to the people to the quality of the services it's just incredible um and everything's there you know you can like i mentioned you can do the spa you can do restaurants you can do clubs you can do lounges you can do shopping they have the best shopping on planet earth there you know it's like Paris back in the days, like literally anything you could possibly want from the major brands that you'd expect. I mean, you can go from everything from Nordstrom's or Lululemon at the mall, all the way up to Hermes and Louis Vuitton is just littered at every single casino. And then of course there's uh, some super high-end brands like Richard Mille has a boutique there, which is pretty rare. And they make the best watches on planet earth. Yeah, I'm a big watch guy. I do that on talking toys. Sometimes at some point I'll talk about Richard Mille, but their stuff's just next level. So, you know, some really specific high-end luxury goods there as well. It's a really cool town that way. Um, great people. The city's really strong. They've gone through it. They had a really rough go. It's one of those cities that when a recession hits, it gets hit really hard. And when boom times hit, it gets hit really hard. So lots of money pours in because of tourism. Uh, and really the whole city runs on tourism, obviously with gambling, uh, being elective, and, and you know people gamble more when they're feeling good, when, do- when the economy's doing well. Um, people go in on vacation more when the economy is doing well in spring for more amenities and things like this. So the city really does boom or bust, you know, it does better during good times and worse during bad times. That's definitely true during 2008, they experienced one of the biggest booms in housing and one of the biggest and protracted, uh, recoveries in the housing crisis, you know, in terms of house prices getting inflated and then falling back down. So they, they really do kind of go with the economy. You know, they're super dependent and cyclical on that that's been our experience there. You know, that we have three clinics now in Las Vegas that do very, very well. And there's great people in my company running them, but it is, you know, largely uh, out of pocket, not as much insurance coverage there. And, um, It's very cyclical, right? So far, our people have been strong. You know, that uh, I talked with the guy who runs Las Vegas for us, and he was mentioning that he hasn't had too many people quit over financial concerns yet. There's been a little bit of talk, like, you know, he has some Cirque du Soleil performers and stuff like this, and some of them are saying, hey, I might just have to move. You know, the show has been shut down for close to six months. I'm not able just to sit here and not work forever. And what I do is I entertain, you know, acrobats, literally, and things like this. And, There's some concerns about money now starting to trickle in, but generally they they do well when the economy does well and do poorly when it it does poorly. And of course, with it being such a tourism centric city, like I mentioned, they're getting hit particularly hard by coronavirus because people are scared to get on planes. People are scared to go to hotels. Uh, even people who aren't scared of those things might not want to go places, you know, to Las Vegas when it's not crowded, when it's not the happening place. So there's probably been a little bit of chicken or the egg there. You know, some people are scared. Some people are worried the city's going to not be as cool and aren't going as often. For me, I'm not going as often just because I'm not traveling as often. And that really takes the cherry off top. I imagine for places like Las Vegas and companies like Wynn. So the city's strong, though. They've been through some tough parts. I mentioned the recessions they've really held and been resilient through. One of the biggest uniting things with the Mandalay Bay shooting, incredibly scary, unbelievably tragic. I mean, what a a nightmare situation. And, I mean, I can't say enough terrible things about the shooter in that case. Uh, I was actually there that night. It was a surreal experience, not at the concert, but I was in Las Vegas and my father and I were on a business meeting and we were at uh, Cosmo grabbing a little bit of dinner at one of my favorite restaurants there. I should plug it. It's called Milos. Uh, If you, if you like Greek and fresh food and fish, it is unbelievable. I brought my girlfriend and her friend there on Friday night. It was such a great experience. They were blown away by the food. It's one of those places where like you go to like a, an ice chest and pick a fresh fish off and you know, Greek salads and tzatziki. Oh, it's just, okay. Anyways, I <laughs> will get too far down that path was I'm getting hungry recording this around lunchtime. But nonetheless, we had a great experience there. And that particularly night of the, of the Mandalay shooting, my father and I were at the Cosmo eating at Milos and then we were driving home on the strip. And it was the weirdest thing. We're heading the opposite direction from Mandalay. Uh, so we're with the traffic that would be leaving Mandalay and two cars came screeching up next to us at a red light. And the people all got out of the cars and just started hugging each other in the middle of the street. And my dad and I are looking at each other like, "What? The, you know, what are these people doing? You know, why are they stopped in the middle of the road in you know, Vegas, the party town? We're like, boy, those people must be on drugs or something, you know, getting out hugging it. But it almost looked like they were sad. You know, one of them was crying and things like this. We're like, what is going on? Anyways, we go home. News didn't really spread through the city. You know, we didn't hear anything from employees and didn't really sense people freaking out. And we had business meetings. So it wasn't like a late night in Vegas. We just went home and went to sleep. Uh, the next morning we woke up and saw the news bright and early, you know, six o'clock. We're glued to the, st- the screen going, that happened here last night? It was." unbelievably sad. We're flying out the next day from the airport and they're checking the planes for bullet holes and stuff like this. It was a nightmare. You know, what a, what a nightmarish situation. And so many people in Las Vegas and throughout the whole country were affected by it. And obviously tons of people lost loved ones and it's unbelievably tragic. And the city really banded together during that you know vegas strong became like the hashtag they really supported one another and picked each other up and the city almost you know through that tragedy went through a bright spot afterwards it's almost like you know the, the forest fire burns down the forest, and then you see those little acre and those acorns and seeds. You know, plant the new plants, and you start to see green in the ash. And all of a sudden, you have this beautiful new growth. That's really what happened with Las Vegas afterwards, and with Vegas strong. And I'm so proud of them. What a resilient people! What a resilient city! What a great city! And you know, if you haven't been to Las Vegas, you got to go. It is unbelievable uh, for the people who listen internationally. This podcast, which now I got some. Some people tuning in all around the world. I noticed on my uh, analytics, if you haven't been to the United States or you make a trip to the United States and you haven't been to Vegas, you got to go. It is just unbelievable. There's nothing like it uh, besides supposedly Macau, but you know, you get the, the American twist on it. It's just a fun city. It's unbelievable. And like I said, if you're a partier, it's a Mecca, you know, it's like going to a visa or something, but if you're not a partier, it's still a great city, you know, so many amenities, so much fun, not the least switches gambling. So go have some fun there. Check it out. I love it. As I mentioned, you know I have clinics there, and anecdotally, uh, so far our business has been really strong. We've actually been setting records. Knock on wood. Um, My people are just first notch there, and our business is really dependent on the interactions between our patients and our clinicians. So I'm not surprised by that, but nonetheless, you know it is something we worry about. You know we are largely elective and cash pay healthcare service with doing testosterone replacement therapy primarily for men. And so far, people have held strong. You know, I think that their pocketbooks have been getting affected, especially because so many of them work in the casinos, work for gratuities, things like this. So they've seen their their revenue go down. We haven't seen it in our business just yet, but we are starting to see whispers of it. Something that we worry about. And we're you know obviously we're always trying to create as much value for our customers as possible. But we're a little bit dependent on um, you know the the business cycle and. Uh, recessions and things like this would definitely hurt our visit counts. And, you know, more guys would not have the money to pay for our services if they lose their jobs in an extreme or, you know, get in less revenue because they're used to getting bigger tips, whatever. So anyway, so we, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little worried about it, but it hasn't struck our business just yet. But when you talk to the people there, they're really, really affected. Lots of layoff, you know, layoffs are starting to happen, I should say, um, throughout the whole, throughout the casinos. They've been happening in the restaurants and things like this, apparently. Obviously, everything's just slower there when there's less tourism, there's less need for car service, and there's less need for restaurants, which affects all the local businesses that depend on those people having money that is brought in by tourism. So, you know, cities and places that depend on tourism have been particularly hard hit during coronavirus. You know, we've seen that in Europe and it's a really sad thing with reverberating effects, kind of that trickle down theory that if you think about it, if the high roller doesn't show up and lose $500,000 in a casino and tip all these people $100,000 right throughout the course of his stay between the club and uh, tipping people at the table and his host and, you know, the drivers and blah, blah, blah then all those people don't have work, you know, and that's an example of like one whale coming in. But imagine all the families that don't go and spend $2,000, $3,000, whatever that has trickle down effects from the companies to their employees through to the local people who provide services to those people who live in Vegas. So the whole city gets affected a lot by it. This is definitely true of places in Europe that depend on tourism. You know, I hear, heard about it with Bali. I've heard about it with uh, Greece and Italy and places like that. So kind of a scary situation, especially for cities that really rely on tourism or are going to get hit particularly hard during this. Nonetheless, the wind has done everything they can to make you feel comfortable while you're there. You know, they've played into definitely being very, very safe. When you walk in, first thing that happens is you walk by kind of like it almost looks like a a speed detector. Uh, What would you call that? Like a radar gun that a cop would have set up at the front door. And apparently it's scanning temperatures. Most time you don't have to stop. But if you the reason I know this is if you walk in in a tight enough group, then the security guard will kind of bark. And you say, stop, you know, I need to scan your temperature, walk back. And you go back and get your temperature scanned remotely. And, and so they're checking people for temperatures. Everyone who walks in through the door at the wind anyways, that was really cool, I thought. Uh, sanitizing stations, obviously everywhere, like you'd expect, like everywhere that you see. Uh, masks for free if you walk in. Interesting thing, you know, you start to see some people who say they can't wear a mask because of medical concerns and things like this. So I guess some of that's valid. I'm going to stay out of that debate debate over whether masks are valid or not, or whether they're a good idea and talk more about facts here. But one interesting thing I found is that some people say they have health concerns or do have health concerns for wearing masks and, and that they aren't able to wear a mask because that. Well, the, when, the way they addressed that is they said, okay, you can't wear a mask, you better wear a face shield. So they're not letting people off the hook. You don't see people walking around without masks too often there. And if they do, they have security coming up to them and tell them to put one on. So it's, it's kind of an interesting deal there, but they're very strict about masks and face covering anytime that you're in public. The only exception to that is if you are eating at the table, but even a couple of the restaurants we went to, um, first of all, kind of a cool idea, they give you like a little placard, um, paper card, you're supposed to put your mask down on so it's not touching the table, because that's for their safety and for yours, which is kind of a, a neat touch, I bet we see spread out. But even when you sit down like at this breakfast restaurant I love there called Jardy and you sit down, uh, they actually ask you to leave your mask on until your first drink comes. That was kind of interesting. You spend an extra 30, 45 seconds on at the table with your mask on, waiting for the water to show up. Then you're allowed to take it off for the whole meal, even after you've gotten the check and you're done eating. That's kind of an interesting policy. It seemed to really upset people around us. You know, that some people are like, why do I have to leave this mask on in 45 seconds? I'm going to be like every other table around me and not have it on. Why can't I get comfortable now for people who don't (laughs) love wearing them? So that was kind of an interesting thing. What my point is with that is that you're starting to see these businesses kind of piece it together. Everyone's kind of coming up with their own rules. It's a very confusing time and it really invites all your customers to pass opinions on how you're handling these things. And the tone has kind of become, here's our policy. Here's what we're doing. It's confusing for customers. Cause sometimes I can sit down in a restaurant, even in win, and immediately take off my mask. And then if I do that at a breakfast restaurant, you get yelled at, which is kind of a weird deal too. You know, I'm gonna get to that in a little bit, but the customer service is necessarily so, but a little bit hostile compared to before, which affects your experience and expects the, affects the vibe as corny as that is. Makes you feel weird. You know, it's definitely a weirder situation in Vegas than it was before. It's unlike anything I've experienced and, and that's not necessarily in their control totally, but still, you know, there's a little bit of a hospital customer service experience there. You know, if you sit down and take off your mask, then you can really get, get yelled at and stuff like that. And um, again, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's great that we all wear masks and things like this, but nonetheless, that is just a fact of the experience that was interesting and different than before. So uh, everything's in plastic wraps. You know, you go in the room, even the Fiji bottles are in plastic wrap, which is cool. So you know that it's, you know, hasn't been touched. <laughs> At least the bottle itself hasn't been touched. Maybe the plastic wrap has. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, they have everything in plastic wrap. They're not entering rooms without being asked. And uh, I mentioned the mass situation. So, you know, they're taking a lot of cautions. You know, if you are worried about the virus or one of those people is kind of on the edge about worrying about the virus, then you would feel pretty comfortable there is my assessment. You know, that they're they're enforcing the rules. They aren't like kind of a wink and a nod and letting people who don't want to wear a mask take them off when they're gambling or something like that. Like everyone's in masks and it's, and it's strictly enforced. So they're taking every measure they can. It's, it was an interesting experience though. You know, like we went to the spa, for example, and I love the spa there. You know, normally they have this beautiful deluge and uh, saunas and steam rooms and a whole you know hot stone chairs that you can lay on next to the jacuzzis and just this gorgeous spa with all these amenities. So you go and check in the check in the spa and they don't really tell you, but the whole spa is shut down. I guess that makes sense in hindsight because it's hard to clean all that and people are breathing real heavy, heavily in steam rooms and whatnot. But the whole thing shut down. So I actually were there like I mentioned with my girlfriend and my girlfriend's friends so guys and girls and everyone goes through the male locker room which is kind of interesting and as soon as you walk in you're seeing your plain clothes off the street you're immediately brought by your masseuse back to the um back to the room for the massage. Well, normally you get to change or maybe even shower, or rinse off, whatever. You wouldn't be in your street clothes walking back in there. Um, but but that was kind of a direct to room type of thing. So the whole amenities of the spa is gone. You know, it used to be that if you went and got a massage, you could use the amenities for the full day. So you could leave and come back and shower there that night if you wanted to. And it's kind of a big value add in the service. Uh, something that you pay for there is a better than uh, a better experience than just walking in a room and getting just the massage. Right. So that's part of the experience. And and the reason you pay a big premium to go get a massage. I mean, the massages are above $160. I forget exactly for a 50 minute massage, but it's above $160 for a massage. So pretty pricey. Right. And part of that value is, is the experience and having access to all those amenities, like I mentioned. So all that's gone Go back and the massage is great, but you do have to wear a mask when you're facing up again, not commenting on, is that smart or is that like valid or not? Just saying that's a fact. And that does affect the experience compared to before coronavirus, let's say. Right. And so you're wearing a mask when you're face up and when you're face down, they kind of put a towel around the face mask. So you're breathing into like this tunnel of a towel which is kind of interesting. Uh, But anyways, they're trying to be really safe about it, keeping everyone safe, which is good, but it does diminish the experience. Like I would not be likely to go back and pay that premium for massage, especially because they haven't lowered the prices at all. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing about coronavirus since I've been traveling a little bit for work and staying in a couple of different hotels and things is that the hotels are as expensive or maybe more expensive for worse experiences, which doesn't really make sense. And they're not as crowded, right? So that's also kind of funky from a customer's point of view. So being selfish for a second, I think it's kind of, corny to pay the same price i used to for a massage there and not have access to the area at all and things like this it felt like i was getting a worse value than i'm used to i'm not you know terribly price sensitive and i don't beat up on you know companies when they're down that way i'm definitely not like a bad reviewer or something like i'm a hop on and give them one star cuz i had to pay the same price and i didn't get my didn't get my deluge didn't get to pump gallons of water all over me after my massage and hang out in the steam room, whatever. Right. Like I'm not one of those people going go fire up Yelp and just slam the spa or something. But I do think that this affects my likelihood to go back. And I think other people have the same experience as me that next time, if I go back to the wind during the coronavirus pandemic before, you know, we solve this thing and have a vaccine or whatever concludes it, before the virus is gone and life goes back to normal, which is inevitable. You guys got to keep your eye on the prize. Side note, that is going to happen. And it's going to happen sooner than it, than it feels like it will. There's going to be a vaccine. The virus is going to mutate something. Something's going to happen in our favor here. So everyone keep the optimism with me. So life's going to go back to normal. But until then, if I go back to the win, I'm not going to go to the spa. I'm not going to pay that much money to have the experience that I had. And the masseuse was great. It wasn't her fault. It's just the circumstances, right? And they haven't lowered their prices. So I don't see a lot of value there. And I think lots of other people are going to feel the same way. I'm not, again, I'm not going to go slam them or or give bad reviews or something. It's just that I'm going to kind of cool my heels on a little bit and spend a little less money, you know, to those people in, in Vegas next time I go. And I think the reason I bring that up is not so much to beat up on the massage or to give a, a bad review or something, but it's just to say that the realities of coronavirus do take the cherry off the top. And one important thing I want to point out to you guys is that consumers are willing to try the things they used to one time during coronavirus. I'm willing to go to Vegas and have the new experience and be extra cautious and things, but it might change my likelihood to repeat my, my purchases. And this is really important because one of the big things we think about as entrepreneurs is loyalty and stickiness with customers. You know, I want to get someone in. I want a recurring revenue. Recurring revenue is the biggest thing in business. You know, that you don't want to have to pay for advertising to acquire a new customer, familiarize them with your business, make them loyal what you want to do is get the same person stoked on your business. They're going to keep coming back and spending their hard earned money with you. They're going to be more loyal. They're going to establish relationships with your people, especially in service businesses or with your product and, and manufacturing businesses. And you know, you're going to have a much easier go of it. They're going to refer their friends. They'll be more likely to do that than a first time customer. So getting loyal customers is a big deal and getting, and staying top of mind with them is a big deal. You know, there's whole segments of marketing called retargeting. And you can Google that if you're not familiar, but the whole concept is just going back to people who thought about engaging with your business or just as importantly, people who have engaged with your business, staying top of mind, reminding them to drink Coca-Cola, reminding them to go to the win and spend money, reminding them to go to the spa there. Once you're in the wind, they have advertising everywhere for those purposes. And I'm not as likely to go again. And I wonder how that affects my long term. You know, even when the world goes back to normal, do I get massages as often at the wind? I don't know. But these are important questions to ask yourself for the permanent effects, especially on these service businesses, businesses, and especially on tourism based businesses about the effects of coronavirus. You know, that's, that's something to muse about, you know, and I think in the short term, what you're seeing is some unexpected bumps in their numbers with people returning people spending money in Vegas and things like this. But I do think that those people are a little bit less likely to return, you know, for someone like me, I'm not going to go on average every six weeks like I did before the coronavirus. That's just an honest fact about it. And I do think that affects the long term effect, the long term numbers of the business. So talking about the business for a second, you know, I checked out their stock to, to be informed and to talk about it a little bit on this podcast. Again, uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but if you want to ever look up a stock, you just get in Google, type in dollar sign and then the stock ticker. So in this case, it's dollar sign W Y N N. So Win is the stock ticker for Win casinos and hotels? So a year ago, they were 108. a share. They got as high as 152 so they had a really big run-up within the last year. Currently, they're trading at $74.10, and I think their low was around $50. So they're lower than they were a year ago, and they're about half their their high. So a depressed stock, and now we ask ourselves, is this a good buying opportunity? Does this return to normal in a somewhat reasonable future? And is this a a dip where the stock's going to rally from here? I personally think yes, cautiously. I wouldn't allocate a big part of my portfolio to this. I do plan to buy a little bit of Wynn stock. Again, I've held this stock on and off over the years and dropped it ironically just before they had a big me too crisis with their founder, Steve Wynn. Um, So I I avoided that whole drop in the stock, but it's an interesting stock to play. And right now I think it's a little bit depressed if I'm being honest, I think it it can be a buy. And that's not because their prospects are perfect for the reasons that I've been outlining on this podcast so far, but just because the price is so uh, depressed relative to the value of their properties and the value of their long-term revenue streams. I do think the world goes back to normal and consumers eventually return to business. But there are a couple of things that worry me about with the stock. Um, okay, so let's let's cover a little bit more facts that I wrote down here before I get into it. But when second quarter revenue fell 94.8% amid virus shutdowns, they shut down the whole casino. You know, that happened in all of their properties. They just shut down, lights off. They literally projected on the casino, you know, Vegas Strong or something like that. They were just gone. And they kept paying their people. That's one thing I, I started to touch on earlier in this podcast, but, you know, the employees of Wynn, especially when Steve Wynn was there back in the day before uh, he was thrown out of the company, Uh, they were very loyal to him. And that's separate from uh, his controversy or whatever. Just a fact is that they really thought they were paid well. They thought they were treated well at Wynn. They had great benefits, great amenities. They have a whole city beneath those hotels where they could have like food and all these different things for the employees, including like healthcare and all different stuff. So it's a really fascinating um, uh, employee experience they they foster there. And people are very loyal to that company. The the employees are very loyal to them and feel like they're treated well. Uh, So one, one way that that was signified during all this is they kept paying their employees. I was really impressed by that. Lots of other casinos, uh, laid some people off or, um, didn't pay them in full and and when stepped up to the plate and really treated their employees, well, I give them major props for that, but their revenue fell and obviously they kept a lot of their expenses intact, like I just mentioned. So, you know, this was a really bruising experience for them. You'd have to really believe that the coronavirus is episodic and that's a one-time dip quote unquote and looking past it, but they're getting hit harder than most industries. Um, you know, I worry about this aspect too. And one thing that I was thinking about while I was there, so I was there Thursday and Friday night. I left Saturday afternoon. Thursday night was very, very slow. I was walking around really scared about what this means for my, my favorite casino, what this means for my favorite business, what this means for the city and what this means for my business. Because all of our, not all of our customers, but most of our customers in Las Vegas work in the casino or are somehow affected by the casino's health, whether they sell, you know, their business sells things to people who work at the casinos, whatever. So, I was really nervous about what this would mean for our business because it was a ghost town. It was really, really slow. The restaurants were closing early. It was pretty empty. I was nervous about it. And then on Friday, it really picked up. And then we went to Cosmo to that Milos restaurant I mentioned for dinner uh, Friday night. And it was cranking, man. It was really, really busy there. It was great. And uh, we had just a blast there, but it felt like pre, you know, everyone's wearing masks in the Cosmo too, but it felt like pre COVID. It was busy up there. It was a party, you know, lots of young people, um, your shoulder to shoulder walking through the casino. You know, it was, it was crowded for sure. People gambling, people in the restaurants, people spending money. It was good to see. Um, so my thoughts are this, and and this is an important thing to think about for the long-term health of the business, but Vegas obviously would slow down during the, the week and be much busier on weekends during normal times, but they, they would always have conventions and you should not underestimate the impact of these conventions on Vegas's health. People would come in and rent expensive rooms at the hotels to do presentations. They would rent whole halls for the bigger conventions like SEMA and um, CES is the biggest, I think it's the biggest convention in the world. This is the consumer electronics show it's out of Vegas. And, and those would be like a week or even sometimes two weeks long for some of these bigger conventions. And it would bring tens of thousands, if not more people to the city, sometimes hundreds of thousands for for these conventions. And they'd stay at the hotels and all these employees would be flown out on their company's dime. And the companies are throwing down and running out whole blocks of rooms, whole floors of hotels. And they're, they're, Sending their cust- uh, their employees to restaurants. They're they're wowing them with shows. They're, their the employees are going around gambling some of their own money and and you know buying some stuff in the in the stores and things like this. Lots of money changes hands because of those conventions, both in direct payments to the, from the convention, you know, to renting the payment hall to all this, but also lots of ancillary uh, services like I just mentioned and even beyond. You know, the local people would you know bring in food for the convention and help uh, print uniforms and all sorts of printing companies would get revenue from those conventions. Well, all that's gone. Conventions are gone. And I don't know when they're going to come back. And that's a scary thing for Vegas and especially Vegas during the week. So that was my thoughts on it. You know, It was really, really slow on Thursday and then picked up over the weekend, but I'm scared about the long-term prospects for Vegas for that. And that's something to watch if you're considering buying the stock. I'd say that's the biggest thing that makes me hesitant to pull the trigger on the stock of these depressed values is that I think that is being under accounted for in the analyst reports that I've been reading, you know, some of them talk about it being an ancillary sale that they're going to lose, like thinking about them losing the, the exact revenue of running out the convention rooms that are in the hotels. Because <laughs> when you walk around one of those casinos, you know, all the stuff that's customer facing is huge, but what we don't realize is there's about an equal amount of square footage on the first floor dedicated strictly to convention halls. I mean, to walk around the convention halls can take longer than to walk through the whole casino. They're huge. I've actually rented those rooms before for my senior management meetings and things like this. And also sometimes smaller meetings, right? Like you might fly out like eight people, give them each a hotel room and all meet in one bigger hotel room. Like some of the hotel rooms literally have boardroom tables in there for you to hold your meetings and bring up projectors that you pay for and stuff like this. So lots of ancillary revenue that's just missing because people aren't getting together and having meetings like they used to because of coronavirus, you know, they're doing it over Zoom and things like this. So Zoom's taking that cherry on the top from the wind, but all that ancillary revenue is just lost. And I really worry about that for their long-term health. So that's something to really keep an eye on with these casinos. You know, I read one analyst said that doubts about a quick uh, comeback for casinos are valid, but times of turmoil are often opportunities to capitalize on the walls of worry. I do kind of agree with that. I think the stock price is a little depressed dis- despite these things I just mentioned. But this is one to be cautious with. I'm going to play with it, but I'm not going to do a big allocation. Think like, and again, I can't give investing advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. But think like 1% to 3% of my portfolio I'm probably going to allocate to them, uh, which is a pretty small position for me. I tend to do more concentrated, like 3 to 7% things like this, but I'm going to buy a little bit just because of the depressed values and having seen it firsthand, I'm a believer that at least in the long term, you know, the next two to five years, that stock's going to return to being really strong. And at these depressed values, it's going to have a big comeback. So my plan is to buy a small stake to watch it closely and probably to DCA dollar cost average into it or buy more shares over time as it continues to get more certain. And therefore the price comes up. So, anyways, that's kind of my thoughts on the stock. Uh, Again, Thursday night was just dead, but Friday was busier, and especially at the Cosmo. And that was really encouraging to see. I really think that's because of those conventions being gone. That's a scary thing. So keep an eye on that. You know, I read a little bit in preparation for this podcast about their other properties. Apparently Macau is a ghost town. For those of you who aren't uh, familiar, Macau is kind of like the Chinese version of Las Vegas. It's a city dedicated to casinos. It almost looks just like Vegas. If you Google pictures up, it's the same brands in a row on a strip different culture there and apparently they are much more conservative about returning um, revenues have plunged 80 percent or more for five consecutive months for the win in macau that's just crazy so they aren't springing back as quickly as we are in the united states maybe they're taking the virus more seriously maybe they're more scared of it i mean um but nonetheless you need to keep an eye on their other properties because that's material on the stock price you know like they have a casino in boston now that you should check in and see how it's doing and, and what the culture is there I'm a little bullish on that because they have more properties as a percentage of their total properties in the United States than some of the other companies is my impression. So, you know, the United States seems to be bouncing back a little bit quicker in terms of their tolerance for tourism, their tolerance for travel, their tolerance for returning to casinos than like Macau is. But still that exposure can really, really hurt them. So what do I think overall? Overall, I'd say the experience was a seven out of 10. Uh, largely, I mean, there's a 10 out of 10 for the people I, I was with. I had a blast with my girlfriend. Her friend was with us, one of her, her best friends, and she's just an awesome girl. We had an absolute blast together. Great meals, great conversations. We gambled, we did a little bit of entertainment. Like, it was just a fun weekend because of the people I was with. But the experience itself was a seven out of 10. And this isn't totally their fault, but it does feel a little hostile to be a customer there. You're, you're being barked at if you make a mistake. I mean, there's one time that like my mask slipped beneath my nose when I was gambling, and they're polite about it, but it is this naturally hostile thing to be barked at to pull up your mask or whatever by a security guard, and it's like you know I was I'm obviously very cool about it. I'm like yes you know no problem pull up my mask I'm sorry but now all of a sudden like you're apologizing when you're spending money at this table. And again, that's not like a huge deal, but just, just kind of dampen the mood. It changes the tone of the visit. That was something that the guy who runs Las Vegas for us mentioned to me is that he had to kind of tell his people like, yeah, you know, tell people to put on masks when they come in the business, give them free masks if they aren't wearing them, stuff like that, but try to keep the tone a little bit light, but it is a naturally hard thing to police, right? I mean, when you, when you seat someone at a table, it's either a smile and enjoy your breakfast, you know, thanks for coming or it's, Hey, uh, here's your seat. And we'd like to ask you to leave your mask on for the night until your drinks come. Okay, do that. Goodbye. You know, so the tone's just a little bit different. It's commanding instead of customer service oriented. And that sounds really uh, stuck up in me, but it is kind of a fact that I think lots of consumers will feel, you know, it's it's an unfamiliar experience at at a minimum and maybe a worse one than before necessarily. So, like I said, but still, this is a reality and something that I think affects their revenue a little bit. So overall, the experience was a seven out of 10. The people made it fun. The food was on point. But Vegas is a little bit strange right now. And I hate to see my city and one of my favorite cities to visit in kind of a strange way. Um, I think it's necessary. I think it's good they're being this cautious. And no matter what your fear level is of the virus, there's a good portion of the the United States that's, that's really wanting to be conservative about it and their exposure to it. And they've done a great job of safety and making you feel safe there. But man, the experience is different. And it's one of those industries that's just naturally hit harder by this than other people. I mean, obviously like Netflix or someone's having a boom time because their customers can sign on and have the same exact experience and there's increased demand for them. Well, this is a different experience. You can't provide in-person gambling, in-person crowded things like shows are shut down. And that was one of my favorite things to do was to see shows there. So they're missing a lot of their men. The spa experience is different. The food experience is different. The food's great, but the experience in the restaurant's different. And it's not their fault. It's just the nature of how their industry has to responsibly respond to the coronavirus is definitely, definitely different. So what's the takeaways here is the takeaways is that the city was definitely affected by this and it's not really their fault. They're like everything in Vegas, They're they're navigating it very professionally. They're navigating it very deftly, very expertly. But it is a different experience and a slightly compromised one, in my opinion. I think that the stock is depressed right now and could be a buy. Like I mentioned, I'm going to open a small position in it and build that over time. That's for entertainment purposes only. I can't give it investment advice, but that's kind of what I'm doing with the stock. And overall, I'm hoping my city springs back. Like I said, I'm very confident they will. It's a question of when, and I think that you'll be surprised. It's going to happen sooner rather than later, because that is a resilient city filled with great people doing great things and providing top-notch services. And I, you'll be surprised, especially once the coronavirus is done, that city's going to be rocking again. The boom time is going to come back. So anyways, thanks for listening to the show today. That's my thoughts after my experience to Vegas. It was a really fun trip and I'm glad I got to get some insights for business and for the economy and for the tourism industry writ large for you guys from it. Uh, again, the podcast has been growing. I'm really, really excited about that, but I have international viewers like I, or listeners, I should say, international listeners, uh, like I mentioned before. We're starting to see uh, a ton of unique listeners pouring in. And I really appreciate all the support. I've had lots of people reposting about the show and things like this and spreading it to their friends. So thank you so much for everything you're doing to help me grow this. I've been having a blast doing them. And I really appreciate all the kind words and the shares and things like this. Uh, don't forget, you can email me at the Blackwood Show at gmail.com. That's the Blackwood Show at gmail.com with, with listener questions. The TikTok podcast I did last week was actually a listener question. We'll do a follow up to that. But I really appreciate you guys giving some insight to what you think of the show, ways that I can improve. That's something I love. And I really encourage you to do that in business. Ask your customers, ask the people who use your services or your, your business, your product, what you can do to be better. And that's what I'm asking you guys. So give me some feedback, give me some listener questions, and I'll definitely talk about them on the show. But thanks for listening. Talk. To, I know there's great ways to get entertained, not the least of which is a bunch of great podcasts. So thanks for taking some time to listen to little old me. Talk to you guys soon.